Yes, he flubbed the start, but after that, he drove an excellent race, including holding off Hamilton for the last, you know, five, ten laps, whatever it was. The Ferrari oh, had... Sorry, sorry to butt it. That, to my mind, was classic motor racing. I mean, that really was uh, a joy to watch. Welcome to the Forza F1 podcast. I'm Aaron Jenkins, the editor of Forza Magazine, and with me on the phone, as almost always, is Andrew Frankel, Forza's Formula One editor. After a disappointing result in Sochi, Scuderia Ferrari looked back on form in Japan, with Sebastian Vettel taking pole position and Charles Leclerc locking out the front row ahead of the two Mercedes. But Valtteri Bottas took the lead in turn one, Charles Leclerc took out Max Verstappen in turn two, and by the end of the race, the Silver Arrows had won their sixth consecutive manufacturer's title. This is only the second team in history to do so, the first, of course, being Ferrari from 1999 to 2005. Only congratulate Mercedes. I mean, one could say with the amount of money they threw at it, uh, it was almost inevitable. But certainly, uh, the performance of the Scuderia over the years helped considerably. Um, otherwise, um, they wouldn't have clinched six, as you say, consecutive ones. But all credit to them. And as far as I'm concerned, apart from the boys back here in the UK who put these amazing cars together, I would like to pay tribute to Lewis Hamilton because without him, I don't think they would have made it. You might be right. Certainly he's been the cornerstone of the team throughout the turbo hybrid era. Um, and he looks set this year, barring any crazy circumstance to win his sixth consecutive driver's title, which will be a new record for Anybody, nobody's achieved that before. Um, but I think the key part of the key phrase there, though, is the turbo hybrid era, because Mercedes came out of the gate and has been unquestionably the team to beat all of these years in a way that Ferrari sort of had to create its dream team over time. When we had a rules change that introduced the current engines, Mercedes was just at the lead from the start. You're, you're absolutely right. Um, our team, our boys, if you like, have been playing catch-up. Uh, the frustrating thing is that now, finally, they've managed to catch up. In fact, they, they have the fastest car on the grid, but for various reasons, um, we seem to lose the pot, a plot rather, every single time. Um, Look, I mean, for instance, take Fettel from Paul, and I must say, I think his qualifying lap was absolutely brilliant. Um, and, you know, I'm sure the Italian press will give him a hard time for a sort of a jump start. All drivers in Formula One have done that. Uh, Verstappen did it many, many times. Um, it's nerves, it's the pressure, whatever. Um, I think under the circumstances, he, he did what he could. As far as uh, Charles is concerned, um, and I'm sure you'll go back into it in more detail, um, he did take out uh, Max, but astonishingly, in Formula One terms, if you like, or in the world of Formula One, he actually said, he put his hand up and said, yes, it was my fault. Uh, 
So there was no blame game in as much as he said, she said, or whoever. Um, he's, he's still on a learning curve. He's very, very quick. I mean, driving with one hand and hanging on to the mirror with the other. I mean, I think that that's, that's just spectacular. That appeals to my sense of humor and reminds me of, of, of Gilles Villeneuve driving around Zandvoort on three wheels. But then that's just me. Going back to um, Hamilton for a second, I am of the opinion that he's going to continue in Formula One at, at least for one more year. And if he wins the title next year, he'll have tied Schumacher's seven world champions ships. He's already the second most successful driver in history, according to the rule books. He could become tied for first or become the clear first. Do you think he actually is the best driver in history? I think he's one of um, the best drivers, obviously. Uh, and, of course, he has had the best car. Um, I think Senna didn't always have the best car. Um, Ronnie Peterson, for instance, who, as you know, I, I love and lots of people still talk about him just the same way as I do. Ronnie would get the best out of a bad car, Lewis is getting the best out of a good car. Um, that said, though, I he... would respectfully suggest that half the grid would have won, let's say, half the races. Uh, but there, there have been occasions when he did absolutely, he drove so brilliantly uh, that nobody could have matched his, if you like, qualifying laps on a number of occasions over the years. So when the, rule, when, when, when the history of Formula 1 is written, he will definitely be up there. The question is, for whatever reason, will people talk about him um, in 25 years' time? Uh, and let me digress for a second. I was, um, I was talking to a travel agent who happened to be Brazilian, and all I said was Senna. And he said, why did you know him? And I said, well, yes, I did. And his attitude changed 200%. He said, he was my hero. How can I help you, sir? So this sort of charisma, this, this call it mythology, I, you know, the, whatever the right word is, whether Hamilton will have it remains to be seen. I I agree that Hamilton doesn't carry the... Um, carry the mythology that Senna or maybe Prost or certainly Juan Manuel Fangio do. But I think he's, I think it's a red herring to, to note that he had the best car. As you and I have both said, over the course of this season alone, there have been several times where he didn't have the best car and he still won the race. Yes, or at least, at least he decided to hang around in second place and waited for the Ferraris to make a mistake and then he would pick up the, the laurels um, or the trophies or whatever. He is, he is an all-round um, racer. He's a little bit too grumpy for some people. He does tend to complain. Um, and he, he, he does have a habit of looking sort of pretty miserable at times. But Yeah, I've, I've never seen a driver look less happy when his team just won the world championship than Hamilton oh, did. Oh, his nose, as far as he was concerned, his nose was completely put out of joint. What I do find endearing is his genuine camaraderie with Seb Fettel, 
But the two of them are together, they really are like two great mates, and, and that I find is rather nice. Continuing with Hamilton for a minute, one of the things he said over the weekend was that he liked the two-day race weekend format that was forced on uh, this Grand Prix because of the typhoon. So we had free practice one and two on Friday, nothing on Saturday, and then qualifying and the race itself on Sunday. And I think you, Andrew, also think that's a better format than the current three-day one. Oh, oh, absolutely. The idea of the two-day thing does appeal because they would essentially they would have to go for it all the time. And the business of qualifying on a Sunday morning, I find particularly fascinating because, A, they have to go very quickly to get to qualify, let us see, on the front row, the second row of the grid. But at the same time, they know that if they overcook it and they prank it, the mechanics only have two or three hours to put the things together. So it would be very, very interesting, and I would love them to try this instead of this silly suggestion that, uh, you know, the good ones should start at the back and try to go up to the front. The whole thing seems to be in a bit of a, <clears throat> a bit of a turmoil, and for sure this, this typhoon situation did throw up this suggestion, and Hamilton is not alone um, in um, suggesting the, uh, the two-day Grand Prix. Okay, with, with all that preamble out of the way, let's look at the race itself. We, you already mentioned that Vettel jumped the start, and it's something that other drivers do uh, this year. Both Kevin Magnussen of Haas and Kimi Raikkonen of Alfa Romeo have jumped the start, and both of them got penalties. The FIA explained that as being their cars moved far enough that the sensors tripped and they were out of position for the actual start. Supposedly, Vettel didn't—well, clearly Vettel's car didn't trip the sensors— but what do you think of that ruling? I, I think if the rule is you can't jump, the, you can't move before the start, you should be penalized for moving before the start. It's not really relevant how far you moved, even though Vettel certainly didn't gain an advantage from him. In fact, it cost him the race lead. I, I think you've just said it. Um, he, he blew it and he paid for it, possibly uh, by not winning the Grand Prix. So I think the penalty in this instance was sufficient, the way I see it. Um, he, he, you know, um, there he was, having qualified brilliantly, and then he blew it in literally the first one second. I, I think that's enough penalty. I, I think that's enough punishment. Um, in my, you know, but then I am. I don't make the rules. That's that's how I see it. Um, well, he certainly did. He came to a stop right away. He barely moved a few inches. And I think that his jump actually threw off Leclerc mentally because totally. when the lights went out, both of them stumbled. Valtteri swept around uh, the outside into the lead and uh, Verstappen got ahead very briefly of, well, at least got, got ahead alongside of Leclerc briefly going into turn two. At that point, uh, Leclerc understeered into the side of him and knocked the Red Bull off track. And that led, I think, to one of the most interesting things of the race, which was Leclerc driving around his front wing, throwing sparks everywhere and little pieces of carbon fiber flying around uh, to the point where eventually 
I think it was two laps in, his end plate fell off and nearly hit Hamilton in the face. During all this, the team had been telling him to pit, and Leclerc said, no, I want to stay out. The car feels okay. Leaving aside the dangerousness of the situation for a moment, what caught my eye mostly about it was, once again, Ferrari didn't have – Ferrari issued a direct order, and one of their drivers ignored it. Um, Yes. You're absolutely right, and this is something that um, Leclerc will have to get used to. I mean, have to get used to the fact that if the team tell, tells you to do something, you do it. I am actually even more concerned about the, you call it irresponsibility, of running around with sparks and bits flying. Because um, <clears throat> let me remind you, and let me remind our, I'm delighted to say, ever-growing number of uh, listeners. 29 countries uh, and counting. Something like 23 or 24 countries now. Um, that in 2009, at, at the Hungara ring, a piece fell off um, Barrichello's car. It hit Massa in the face, and it very, very nearly killed him. So there are lots of funny things in Formula One, but bits falling off another car and hitting in the face, there, there's nothing funny about it. And it could have happened to, 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 to Hamilton, and the consequences could have been horrendous, absolutely horrendous. So I'd condemn Leclerc in this instance 200% for being irresponsible. Yeah, I don't know if, if Leclerc knew that the end plate was dangling there. That's not something he could have seen, but I agree with you completely. He should have obeyed the team order regardless, and he should have obeyed it even more regardless if he knew that it was for safety issues. Uh, exactly. Eventually, it's safety he... and, and endangering another driver. Yeah. If, if you're a fool and you crash into the wall and you get hurt, you know, in a way, that's your problem. It's your mistake. But to have someone behind you with bits falling off your car, that, to my mind, is totally unacceptable. Let's take a quick break to talk about Forza Magazine. Here on the podcast, Andrew and I talk about Formula One, as you'd expect. But every issue of Forza reports on the wider world of Ferrari. Think road tests of new and classic cars, histories and profiles, interviews and news, racing, and so much more. So check it out. Learn more at our website, forza-mag.com. That's F-O-R-Z-A-M-A-G.com. So as I think I mentioned earlier, Leclerc received he received a five-second penalty for causing a collision with Verstappen, which I think was well-deserved. I don't think that was an intentional thing. He just he lost downforce and he understeered in the side into the side of the other car, and that happens. Then he received, I think it was a 10-second time penalty for not pitting a car that was unsafe, and Ferrari was fined a piddling 25,000 euros for that same offense. In the meantime, while all this drama was going on, Botas was up front disappearing steadily. Um, well, you, you haven't me, had a lot of suggest, nice things to say about Valtteri. On that point, that because he, his contract was renewed for next year, we are seeing a totally different Botas. Totally and utterly, he is now confident, he's full of beans, he knows his his place is safe. He's, he's hoping that they'll hang on 
on to him even after Lewis retires, because obviously he will sooner or later. So this whole new Bottas is, is I think, if you like, a slightly a totally different person. His, the way he drove, I, I still find him boring outside the car, but that's just me. And he, because of that, he did not get man of the man of the day either, because I think other people find him equally boring outside the car. But uh, on Sunday, he was in a class of his own. Yeah, and he also qualified, outqualified Hamilton on. Sunday morning, which might lend credence to your idea that it's his confidence. And I I agree with you because at the beginning of the year, before Hamilton had pulled out a, what does he have, 74-point lead at this point? He was right there with Hamilton and won a couple of races early on. But then then since Baku... uh... You know, he, he couldn't he couldn't get on the top of the podium, and of course, he was terrified. He was a bit of a you know a nervous wreck because the situation with with Ocon taking his place, and there was Ocon hovering on the pit lane, you know, on the on the on the pit wall, watching Bottas's every move, which must have been a little bit disconcerting, but. You know, he got Toto Wolff's verdict, he signed the contract, and hey, presto, I think he's a different man. Yeah, I I would agree with that. Um, And also a different man was Vettel. After his win last time, setting pole this time, yes, he flubbed the start, but after that, he drove an excellent race, including holding off Hamilton for the last, you know, five, ten laps, whatever it was. The Ferrari had... mind was classic motor racing. I mean, that really was uh, a joy to watch two masters with literally inches, you know, they're respecting each other and not running into each other, but giving a very, very hard chase and settle not losing his nerve and not spinning off and not doing anything silly uh, and coming in second. So I think that second place meant a great deal to him. Yeah, and this was this was what should have happened in Canada, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So, so I'm delighted that he's bouncing back, um, and and we'll see what happens in in uh, Mexico in a couple of weeks' time, which of course is theoretically Verstappen's circuit, but that's another story. So we mentioned so Botas wins. Uh, Vettel second, Hamilton third, and was not happy to be in third. Um, Complained on the radio, grumbled after the fact. Uh, I think that is just the way he operates. That just shows how determined he is always to be fighting for any available win, any available point. Uh, Fourth place went to Red Bull's Alex Albin, who, who matched Verstappen's time in qualifying and drove... I think he was he was lucky to survive the race after knocking Lando Norris out of the way into the chicane. Um, but it was another solid win, and it was the best position any Red Bull could have expected this weekend behind the Mercedes and the Ferraris. I, I you know, I have to admit, um, I uh, I've been sort of reading up on this young man because uh, he was a bit of a mystery to me. Um, and and well done. I mean, to come forth in a race where. An awful lot of people finished, because don't forget, there have been oddities. You know, there are only five finishes or four finishes, and then you're fourth, and then it's okay, it's fine. But with all the other guys driving and driving very hard, 
to come in fourth, I think, is a tremendous achievement. And don't forget, had Hamilton and Vettel not been respectful of each other, had they collided, he could have ended up second. So well done to, to Albon, who obviously is, um, is, is, is coming into the picture. I mean, people are still saying Albon who, but if he carries on like this, he may well become a household name over the years. And speaking of racing hard, on the final, or just before the beginning of the final lap, uh, Sergio Perez and Pierre Gasly came together. Perez ended up in the wall, but luckily for him, the checkered flag was waved a lap early, which allowed him to be classified in ninth place. Yes, I mean, it's, it's astonishing. Do you remember that young lady who, I think, Winnie Harlow. three years ago, waved the flag a, a lap early? I think she was a, a showbiz lady from, from Hollywood, and she was given the wrong advice. It wasn't her fault, but they still blamed her, which was unfair. But this time around, you would have thought that with all the professionalism and to put on a race the day after the typhoon, you would have thought that this was the last mistake they would make. Well, whoever waved it yesterday and Winnie Harlow weren't the only ones. Um, Pelé waved it wrong in Brazil one year, correct? Yes, yes. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's, it's, it's too serious a thing to take it, you know, as a, some sort of a big joke, because races have been decided. I mean, Nigel Mansell and Elio De Angelis, I think many, many years ago, were within two or three centimeters of each other. Well, imagine if, if Hamilton had overtaken Vettel on the final lap only for that waved flag to have nullified that. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I, I thought I thought it was a, it was a fun race. I love the chase at the end. So, looking ahead to the next race in Mexico, we might see Hamilton take that sixth consecutive title if he beats Botas by fourteen points. Uh, as you mentioned, though, this for the last two years the race has been won by Verstappen, and certainly Hamilton himself isn't confident of a good result uh, in a couple weeks. Uh, I, I, I'll tell you. And this, this, as they say, comes from the bottom of my heart. I would love him to clinch it at Austin, Texas. He, he has very, very strong ties to the United States. He loves the United States. He composes music in Hollywood. He works with all sorts of people on East Coast, West Coast. I think if you were to ask him, nothing but nothing would give him more pleasure than to, to get the title standing on the very top of the podium in Austin, Texas in three weeks' time. Well, certainly Circuit of the Americas is more of a Mercedes track than uh, the circuit in Mexico. But sticking with Mexico, Honda's engine didn't really deliver at Suzuka like they had hoped, so Red Bull might be down on power relative to both Mercedes and Ferrari there. And I'm going to predict a Ferrari, for that reason, I'm going to predict a Ferrari win in Mexico, assuming, of course, they don't score another own goal, as the uh, Italian newspapers called it yesterday. Yes, the Italian newspapers, as we often say, are very good at sort of tearing Ferrari into shreds, although occasionally when they win, they do salute them as well. Um, would Leclerc win it? Um, I, I don't think so. I, I, I personally think it, it's going to be Verstappen, uh, the re rejuvenated Bottas, and maybe Vettel. 
Oh, and before I forget, um, I've got my ticket, I've got my credentials, and I will be in Austin in a couple of weeks' time. I'm staying at the Westin. In, if anyone would like to pop in and say hi after, after qualifying or after the race or whatever, um, I would be very, very happy indeed to have a chat. Um, and as the Americans say, chew the fat. That's it for this episode of the Forza F1 podcast. Tune in in two weeks after the Mexican Grand Prix. Thanks for listening this week. We'd love to hear from you, so get in touch if you have any questions or comments via our website, forza-mag.com. That's F-O-R-Z-A hyphen M-A-G.com. You can follow us on social media at Forza Mag, F-O-R-Z-A-M-A-G, no hyphen.